Welcome back to the Standing Room Only Podcast. This is episode 45. We're coming down to the end of the Major League season. A lot of injuries in the NFL. Week 2 thoughts are coming up. We're going to be also discussing uh, conference finals in the NBA and uh, a couple other announcements in sports. But before we get into that, if you guys do enjoy the podcast, make sure you hit that download button. Uh, it's the best way to show support. It's pretty much the only way we can see our statistics. So you guys do enjoy the podcast. Make sure you hit that download button. It's like three megabytes an episode or something like that. You can always delete them. It'll it'll register still as a download. And uh, we'd appreciate it. You can follow our social media, SROnlyPod, on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow our personal pages. Myself is the Healy 6 You can follow Goose. I am iGoose with four O's. As always, don't ask why. We are both on YouTube. I'm sorry. We are both on Instagram and Twitter. Healy is on YouTube. So if you guys like video game content, like sports talk, go ahead, check out his YouTube as well at The Healy 6. And we're both on Twitch. You can follow our names right there as well. You started streaming. I've been streaming for years. Play 2K, Madden, whatever. Give us a follow. Dust. Dustin's uh, name is iGoose, four O's, similar to every other page. Mine is just Healy6. So we're going to get started with the baseball this week. We are on the final week. I'm pretty sure that the uh, playoffs are going to start right when we are like before we get our next podcast, which is a little unfortunate. Wanted to do more of like a preview uh, predictions type of feel, but we're going to have to see on that. The playoffs, they start. I don't think they have exact dates. They might. They might actually. So the wild card was. Yeah. Previously, it was. Uh, I think it's Tuesday, September 29th, Wednesday, September 30. Those are the wild card series days. Yep. Best of threes. So we will get a little bit of a prediction. Obviously, we're going to be a game behind. But we should still be able to get our predictions in next week. I don't think our our choices are going to change. But final couple days, still a lot of divisions up for grabs. Not a lot of division clinchers. We have Oakland who clinched their division. They're up five and a half games over Houston. Atlanta clinched theirs. And then we have the Dodgers who clinched the West. And they also clinched the best record in the National League. With they have thirty nine wins, Man. unbelievable. Uh, if this was a one hundred sixty game season, thirty nine wins, two thirds, they'd be they'd be around like they'd be just over a hundred. So they're kind yeah. of on pace. Not bad. We'll get started with the Cubbies though. They are looking to win the division. They clinched a playoff spot. Unfortunately, though, they're up three and they're going to be up three and a half games if the results stay where they're at right now during this recording. Three and a half with four games to play. So tomorrow they should be able to clinch their division. All they have to do is win. Just win one. All they have to do is win. <laughs> but the Cubs are like, no, we are not going to beat the Pirates. They're giving them trouble. I don't like the look of this team right now. I'm surprised. I, besides that hot start, 
they've just been an okay team. Looking at their lineup tonight that they put out, you got Ian Happ hitting 258, still a 900 OPS, which is good. You have Anthony Rizzo, 221, Wilson Contreras, 239, Schwarber, 191, Cameron Mabin doing okay. He just got there, so not really going to harp on him. Jason Hayward, 287, one of his best years. That's yeah. see. Baez, 199, Kipnis, 245 david bodie 209 on the bench you have chris bryant who's hitting 195 Warner's hitting 228 240 for victor caratini this team isn't hitting they're getting saved by their starting pitching and their weak division play yeah yeah i mean luckily they have clinched a playoff spot they clinched that they 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 have to finish strong. They have to finish strong. You want the division. Granted, there's no home field advantage, but still, it's worthwhile to go and have. I mean, it makes a difference with baseball because that determines if you're batting first or last. Yeah. When it comes to you know having home field um, advantage, it's not like any other sport where it's a jump ball. It's it's literally, are you going to pitch first or are you going to bat first? So tomorrow they again they do have Pittsburgh. Uh, it's, it's going to be an earlier game. It's going to be, I think a 1235 central standard time, 135 Eastern Alec Mills is on the mound. So again, we saw him throw the no, no, the no hitter, not in his last outing, the outing before I want to say, uh, yeah. Sunday, not last week, the week before. So maybe he comes out strong, uh, and leads the way. Like you said, their starting pitching is like the only thing that's doing anything worthwhile uh if they're gonna do something they're gonna have to start to pick it up now and get hot now unfortunately not only do they have pittsburgh uh tomorrow but they do end up closing the season off with a three-game series against the white Sox, which is not an easy matchup um you know that that's a team you want to get hot against you get hot against you know if your pitching can show up against that offense and your offense can come around because i mean the White Sox do have okay starters. They're not, I mean, they have a couple of solid studs, maybe two or three, but nothing incredible. So if you can get something going against that White Sox team, then that's that's huge momentum going into the playoffs. And they're a they're such a good team. The White Sox also they are in a pretty tight race for first yeah. in their division or third in their division. That's a huge seed uh turnaround, depending on how they finish. They're gonna want to sweep the Cubs this weekend. And they're going to come out hot against the Cubs. You do not want them. You do not want the Cubs uh, to not. I messed up, but they. you want them to clinch the division before they face the Sox. That's all I'm trying to get at. That's yes. Yes, exactly. So uh, if they end up beating Pittsburgh, the, the Cubs can at least sit back. The White Sox, like you said, cannot. Uh, I've had people who are like, well, the Sox are in first place. They have a tough division. Some people are saying, eh, their division's not that good. But the fact that all three teams already clinched the playoffs, if I'm looking correctly, I don't think there's another division that has more than two. No. So, and with Minnesota, 34 and 22, same as the White Sox. Uh, tiebreaker, I believe, is going to go to the White Sox for the divisional record. I could be wrong. Um and then obviously Cleveland is right there. They're two games back with only about four games left. So we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, if we're lucky, maybe the you know it comes down to the final series and the Cubs. We'll say they they take the back seat again in in series two, and Jose Abreu <laughs> just so happens to hit another six home runs. Who knows? 
uh, definitely, definitely one of the hottest players right now. Um, so I, I'm excited. Last week of baseball, October baseball's here, right on time uh, to go with this rather weird and cool weather that we're seeing in Chicago. I wonder if a, if a tie does happen, if they're going to do one of those one-game playoffs. You know, baseball, they don't like ties and divisions or wild card series, and they will play an extra game to determine who has the better seed. I would not be surprised, especially because they're all going to be in the bubble then. They could easily get that game in, and especially because all the teams are going to make it regardless. So that's another thing with the White Sox. You do not want to tie with any teams, especially first series is a three-game series. You want to throw your number one uh, in that play-in game? No, you don't. And you don't want to lose him. For Well, he could be the game three starter easily. You're you're only going to get probably one start out of your guys anyways. But game three, I guess it could make sense as the game that you'd want to win if it gets to that point. Mm-hmm. Continuing with the White Sox, Jose Abreu, though, is a good chance at MVP this season. He's leading the American League in a lot of different stats. He has been awesome this year. And the White Sox have a great record. Record doesn't normally mean Jack, but the White Sox are doing well, and he is a huge contributor with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm almost positive he's leading the American League in OPS. He's. It looks like he's second behind Luke Voigt uh, for home runs. He's at 19, so he might be one of those players especially with the Cubs coming up, who's going to hit 20 home runs. Uh, I didn't expect it. Uh, I guess you can never doubt Jose Abreu. Been a 332, 56 RBIs leading the AL there. Uh, And that's, I mean, he doesn't steal bags, don't need him to steal bags. He's just overall is is playing out of his mind right now, uh, along with a few others on the team. But I, I, I I think Jose has my vote. He was not the person I predicted at all. Uh, I thought Trout was going to be pretty hot in 60 games. Um, Jose Abreu, hats off to him. Uh, leading this this uh, incredible offense to go with a subpar uh, pitching staff. I would say a little bit above subpar. They, they've actually surprised me a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, Jose Abreu, definitely. You got Jose Abreu. You got DJ LeMayhew, who's making another strong case for the MVP this year. Yeah. Mike Trout's up there. Jose Ramirez, he's becoming on fire. Huge home run against the Sox yesterday. Luke Voigt making somewhat of a case. But but this shortened season, there's a lot of close cases this year. The voting probably could go five different ways, and I could probably be satisfied with all five different ways. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a fun stat or a funny stat, I should say. I was looking to see uh, Jose Abreu's walks and I, you know, I saw he's been walked about 14 or 15 times on the season. Yeah. I just wanted to look at the league leader compared to Carlos Santana, who's batting a 189, has walked 44 times, three times the amount that Jose Abreu has. So it just goes to show that. Jose Abreu is up and swinging the bat all the time. He's he stays aggressive, and you got to love that, uh, especially on a team that usually has runners on base. Yeah, the the White Sox team they don't like walking, but they'll get no. on base. They will swing the bat when they need, to. and they like their gold chains too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 
Not a lot of walks, though, for Jose Abreu. A couple good series to probably look at this weekend. You got the Tampa Bay Rays going up against the Phillies. Phillies are trying to fight for that uh, one of those three spots in the division. Uh, The Rays, I think they're going to clinch the division here soon. They are three and a half up. And their game, I think they finished. No, they're up, they're up 8-2. So I think they clinched the division today with a win. The Yankees, they're losing. Yeah. All right, so the Rays are going to win the division by the time we're done with this. <laughs> the Yankees are losing 13-1 to the Blue Jays. Huge. Blue Jays are making the playoffs. Never would have thought that. They're up three games on the Angels for the wild card right now. That's huge. So there, if the playoffs were to end or to start today, we would have Dodgers, Giants, Braves, Reds, Cubs, Marlins, uh, San Diego Padres against St. Louis. The Reds, they are hot. I don't know if you've seen, they've won four straight series. And in the three-game series in round number one, you got Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo. You have a lineup with Nick Castellanos, Joey Votto, Mike Moustakis, Eugenio Suarez. You got Tucker Barnhart in there, uh, Shogo Akiyama, I think it is, but Shogo. You got so many great players. They got They picked up Brian Goodwin. I would not want to be a top seed top half seed and that matches up against Cincinnati only right now yeah and it's looking like well so they're eight and two in their last ten. it does look like they are going to it's still a little early but I'm willing to bet on it that they're going to take that that uh, wild card spot at least one of the two remaining um they're not I, – I don't think they could end up taking second place in the division, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Because they're they only can. half a game behind St. Louis, so they can end up taking the second place and, and not even taking the wild card spot. And they've played more games than St. Louis so far. Yep. So it all just depends on St. Louis. They're playing double headers and whatnot for the next few days. St. Louis, it's going to be rough going into the playoffs if they make it with all these double headers leading into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's, there's no break for the playoffs. I think these guys may get one day off. If that, I mean, yeah. we're, you know, St. Louis is five games behind Cincinnati and games played. So like you said, it's all double headers. And if they had an off day, they would probably be playing on that off day. So. Yeah, exactly. And then looking at the, the American league, all these series if the series was to end today. Or to start, Tampa Bay, Toronto, decent. You got Oakland, Cleveland, tough. The White Sox, Houston, and then Twins, Yankees. Every matchup, every single seed in the American League, maybe besides Toronto, Toronto's a sleeper, but one through seven right now can easily win the World Series or make it to the World Series in the American League. Oh, yeah, hands down. Between... All three teams in the AL Central. Oakland has been phenomenal this year. Uh, Yankees obviously are really good. Don't you know the Yankees being second place in the AL East? 
is not the tell-all because the Yankees are extremely dangerous. I think they are leading the American League, if not the MLB in runs scored. Oh, they scored so many runs. They're they're about top five, top six in runs scored. And their pitching isn't that bad. I mean, they have given up quite a few runs on on select games, but overall, this is a team that can easily compete with any other team in the MLB. So it, this this playoffs, I mean, they're going to be, it's going to be a fun playoffs. Uh, you said first round is a three-game series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, three games. So all, all the higher seeds get uh, all three games as their home. Like okay. They're, they're home okay. for all three. So it's not home, away, home. It's just home, home, home. That's that's awesome. That's I mean, that's the way you should do it. I mean, you're going to make guys travel for one game. What, well, it, it's in a bubble, so you could flip it if you wanted to. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I Yeah, that just totally went over my head. Forgot yeah. they're doing the bubble with, the, uh, with Texas and California. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're still sticking with uh, the higher seed gets home home field advantage for all three games which is i mean that's huge that's huge kind of like what we went over earlier so it's going to determine if you're going to bat first or pitch first mm-hmm. some teams they don't it doesn't really matter but when it comes down to the end of the game knowing if you're going to be due up in the bottom of the ninth or not makes a huge difference and especially dh you don't have to worry about uh like usually home field advantage in the national league i feel like more important than it was in the american league because pitching you could pull your pitcher whenever you want in the american league before national league it was like oh dane we're going into the eighth ninth do you want to bring someone in or like there's an out left in the inning and they're due up in the order do you want to double switch do you want to bring them in and then just burn them and use someone else in the other inning no we don't have to worry about that this this uh playoffs so that's gonna be even better to watch the National League with the DH this time around. Yeah, this might be the first and only time, or it might be something they implement moving forward. We'll see. I think the DH is permanent. DH is permanently going to stay. The playoffs, that's a toss-up right now. Rob Manfred kind of wants to keep this playoff format around. I personally don't like it, but we'll have to see. Only time will tell with that. But next week with baseball, we're going to be going over our predictions. Uh, we could also probably have our MVP picks, our Cy Young picks. They normally don't get announced for a few months after the season ends, but we could we could go over our picks or surprising players and whatnot. But that's going to do it for baseball this week. We're going to transition over to the NFL. Week two. The week what of a week. Injuries. Injuries, injuries, all topped off with more injuries. Uh, Healy, Healy, Healy. Uh, for me, being in fantasy, probably I think I want to say I'm in four leagues. I was definitely hit by the injury bug. Um, there is a lot of key injuries uh, that could affect teams that we expected to be top-tier teams, that are top-tier teams, uh, teams like the 49ers, um, you know, we've seen the Giants and so on and so forth. But we have a long list of injuries. I don't know if you want to lead with this one, Healy, or if you want me to go over it. But I have a short list, and I'm sure I'm going to miss some because there is just that many injured players this year. It's seriously injured, too. You can, some you can are, start. So 
for, you know, number one on my list for the 49ers, defensive end Nick Bosa, torn ACL, one of many tor- or a few torn ACLs that we saw over the past uh, week. Uh, Bosa being the type of player that he is, always at the quarterback. He's about as all-round as it gets when it comes to a defensive end. He can drop back in the zone. He's very fast. He can get to the quarterback. He leads the defense. Well, he had a torn ACL on Sunday. He is going to be out for the rest of the year. Should be back next year. But that's huge for that team because uh, their running back, Mostert, went down as well, who started the game with an 80-yard touchdown run. Uh, As far as his his injury, I don't think that one's going to actually be um, as serious. It's not a torn ACL, but he is projected. He has, I believe, an MCL injury. I uh, don't think it's a torn MCL, but it's they're gonna. Uh, it, he's gonna be a game time decision probably week to week for a while, uh, only because that's his knee. Uh, another key injury going down this list probably should have led with him. The most important, especially for fantasy purposes, Saquon Barkley, running back for the Giants, torn ACL against the Bears. Uh, it was just a freak accident play. It almost looked like. He was trying to push Eddie Jackson off of him out of bounds because of the pain he felt. Nothing to do with the tackle. It was a clean. It was a clean wrap up. Uh, but you know, unfortunately, Saquon Barkley goes down. We do hope for a speedy recovery because he is an incredible athlete. Um, and then to go along with that, I know Sterling Shepard, I believe, got hurt in that game against the Bears. Uh, don't think it was anything serious. They said it was his foot or his ankle ended up maybe being like a turf toe. Um, so they had a couple of injuries there as well. Another major injury, high ankle sprain for Christian McCaffrey of the Carolina Panthers, who was probably everybody's number one overall pick in fantasy football for the simple fact that he does it all. He catches out of the backfield. He racks up receiving yards, racks up the rushing yards, racks up the touchdowns well now he is projected to miss it what could be several weeks it could be four weeks it could be six weeks if they're having a horrible season we might see more weeks they might not rush him back uh their team is very rough right now teddy bridgewater still trying to get it together even though i know he is top five in passing yards they still don't have it all so that Mm -hmm. is huge that is huge loss uh Drew Locke with the Denver Broncos, sprained AC joint. Uh, We don't know exactly how long he's going to miss. They're saying anywhere from two weeks to six weeks weeks with the sprained AC joint. I know that they uh, did pick up Blake Bortles, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, So he may end up stepping into the starting role. Um, He may not. It all depends. Uh, Cortland Sutton also with the Broncos was a, uh, another injury. He has his own. So he missed week one with a sprained AC joint. Um, so he ended up having a knee injury that I don't think is anything serious. Um, actually I lied. He tore his ACL. Hmm. He tore his ACL. They confirmed, they confirmed, uh, yesterday. Nope. Two days ago, torn ACL. So that is rough because Cortland Sutton, they were projecting him to be the number one on the team as far as receiving yards, receptions. Um, You know, for him to go down, they were expecting a big year. Expect Jerry Judy to step in that role as the number one. Um, 
the rest of the season. Jerry Judy actually looks pretty good. Another major injury, another high ankle sprain, Jimmy Garoppolo. They're saying he should be able to play through his injury, but we'll see what ends up happening. I don't know if it's worth the risk to have your quarterback play through a high ankle sprain only because sometimes guys tackle low. Guys get blocked into the quarterback's leg, into the ankle. Don't know if it's worth it, but he is a pocket passer. He doesn't run very much. Uh, So we'll see what they end up doing. I would expect him to be week-to-week, game-time decision. Uh, Devontae Adams of the Green Bay Packers, which hurts me a little bit, uh, not only because I have Devontae Adams every week in my daily fantasy for FanDuel. I'm pretty sure I have him in one of my fantasy leagues. I am also a Packers fan. Uh, We don't know if he's going to miss a lot of time, if any time at all. They said it is a hamstring injury. They are expected to update him closer as the weekend hits. Probably going to be a game-time decision. Uh, They do have, if I'm not mistaken, um, the Saints coming up on a Sunday night, and then the following week they have the Falcons, so they may want Adams out there for uh, these games that could be shootouts. Uh, There are a few other injuries, nothing as far as major players. I guess I would consider them pretty major. Tavon Young on Baltimore. Uh, he hurt his knee. Uh, they, it's not a torn ACL. They are supposed to update that again. He's going to be week to week. Uh, Byron Jones, cornerback of the dolphins got hurt. Raheem, uh, Mostert as we went over, uh, the most bizarre injury was Tyrod Taylor of the Los Angeles chargers, the quarterback seconds before the game was had a punctured lung uh, lung from the team doctor. Apparently he has an injury to the ribs. They try to give him, uh, uh, provide him medication via shot for pain. Uh, well, apparently the needle went too far and punctured the lung. Uh, never heard of that in my entire life of watching sports or just hearing any story of medicine. Um, so he hit the injury report Friday with the rib issue. No indication of missing the game. Now he's had he had troubles before kickoff. Went to the hospital. Uh, he he got cleared, and basically they said he had a, a collapsed lung due to the the shot that was administered. Um, so they're saying that he could end up being the starter. Believe it or not, he's going to be game time decision for the next couple of weeks due to that. Uh, mainly his rib injury. That that's very painful, especially for a quarterback who scrambles a lot. And then Anthony Barr was hurt. Uh, he has South a shoulder injury. Uh, they don't have a uh, a time frame on that. They he did end up leaving the game uh, last week, and the list goes on and on. Bruce Irving of the Seattle. Will Fuller hurt his hamstring, which could be a big deal for the Texans because he, again, is supposed to be their number one with DeAndre Hopkins, who got traded away for David Johnson. Will Fuller they expected to hopefully play full time. I don't think he's played more than 12 games in a year uh, due to injuries. So not necessarily surprised to see that he is hurt. So they do have Randall Cobb who might end up stepping up there and some others. Uh, so we'll see what they do as far as a game plan. So we had a week full of injuries. I was watching uh, the Kyle Long show today. He has his own show on NASCAR's YouTube. But he was talking about the NFL a little bit. And he was talking, he was like saying how 
guys were prepared for week one. We didn't see a lot of injuries week one because guys have been preparing for week one ever since February. And then week two, it was all about how they recovered. And uh, a lot of people, I guess, they weren't doing their best recovering and bodies recover differently. And it's just football season. So that that's that appears to be why there's uh, a lot more in week two compared to week one. And then uh, Devontae Freeman, he got signed with the Giants. So if you're a fantasy team owner, maybe you pick Devontae Freeman up this week. Uh, who knows if he's going to be the starting running back, though. I'm pretty sure they have Deion Lewis. Uh, the 49ers, even though Nick Bosa went down and how good he is. Uh, Solomon Thomas also went down. They added Ezekiel Ansa, and they also added Deion Jordan to the team to replace them. So these teams are acting quick. There's a lot of veterans that are standing around waiting for people to sign them. And, yeah, Devontae Freeman, what do you think about that pickup with the Giants? That was huge. You know, and I was curious to know, I was thinking about it. I was like, I wonder how they're going to use him considering he's an aged running back. I wouldn't say he's old because it's just, I don't know. It's bad to say somebody's old, even though he's, he really is not old, but for a running back, he is very aged. He was a workhorse at one point. I think that he is worth a look in fantasy only because the giants are a team. Daniel Jones is a quarterback where we don't know how he's going to be. They have an injury, obviously, with Sterling Shepard. So they're, they could be down a receiver, down to Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram. Those guys, I would say, are going to get a lot of looks. But I was wondering exactly how they're going to use Devontae Freeman. The way I look at it, I think he's going to share time with Gallman. Gallman might be the catching back. Devontae Freeman is probably going to be more, ta- more so taking the handoffs. Uh, I would expect him to take at least – I don't know what he's going to do this week because he got signed just yesterday – but I would expect him moving forward to get at least 15 touches in the game. Gallman's going to split the work. Gallman might get some catches out of the backfield. They saw uh, Deion Lewis. And they have Deion Lewis, yeah. Deion Lewis is another one, too. Uh, we'll see what Deion Lewis does because Deion Lewis is see what seems to be strictly a catching back. I know he scored a touchdown last week on the Bears, but that was because they literally had nobody else. And, you know. He's he's not a bad running back either, so it, it's worth a shot to to pick up Devontae Freeman and just have him sit on your bench for a week or two to see how they work him in. Okay. This week, though, with matchups, we, we have a couple decent matchups coming up. Philadelphia and Cincinnati, that's going to be a great one, especially because Philadelphia is 0-2. If you start off 0-2, your chances to make the playoffs pretty slim. 0-3, though, it's almost like non-existent to make the playoffs. So, Philadelphia, they need to win. Uh, Pittsburgh and Houston. Houston's 0-2. Not necessarily their fault. They went up against the Chiefs. They also went up against the Ravens. Two very good teams. Pittsburgh's 2-0. and Houston needs to win. They do not want to fall to 0-3. We have the Raiders against New England. Raiders are 2-0. They beat the Saints, which is kind of surprising. 
But who knows? Maybe they start off 3-0. and It is in New England. They had a fantastic game against uh, the Seahawks this past week. That game was wild. That that The ending was so upsetting for them to drive down and call a quarterback draw on the last play. I get it, but it just the whole play just collapsed. It was just from mm. the from the the snap, it was just a failed play. And you would think the Patriots who have mastered what not to do by intercepting Seattle in the Super Bowl on the 1-yard line, they decided to go with the run. I think maybe hand it off at that point, but Cam Newton the way I mean he's mm. Cam Newton's usually golden on the one. It was just a bad the play just like I said, it just collapsed from I'm the I'm surprised snap. he just didn't run right up the middle. Maybe that yeah, was the plan. It was yeah, it was like a delayed quarterback sneak. Maybe that's what they should have gone with. Regardless, they're home against the Raiders. Raiders again, two and oh, they beat the Saints. Uh cars looking pretty good, I would say so far. Uh and Darren Waller, that tight end is unbelievable. Unbelievable. He is to me, he's top three, top four tight end in the league right now. A couple other 2-0, and 0-2 matchups. You have Tennessee against Minnesota. You do not want Minnesota to fall 0-3. Any of these 0-2 teams, I'm saying, you do, you don't want to say that. I'm not going to get repetitive. In uh, Rams against Buffalo, undefeated streaks on the line. You got the Bears going up against Atlanta, who's 0-2. 0-2. And they had a terrible uh lone game did you see that onside kick that dallas had against them greg zerline zerline greg the leg however you want to pronounce his name whatever you want to call him that was perfectly executed you can tell he practiced that did not use the t what i didn't understand is atlanta so dallas can't grab the ball until it hits that, yeah. what is it, 10, 10 yards, yards. Yep. right? What I don't understand is Atlanta had two guys that could have just dove on the ball before. Yeah. Instead of letting it, it's, it's, it's almost like watching a ground ball in baseball and hoping it hits that pebble, right, when it's going down the line and it goes fair and then, oh, you're on base. This mm-hmm. isn't like that. You can literally grab the ball. You can, I, I, they, they blew that game. Don't get me wrong. Hats off to the Cowboys. Perfectly executed onside kick. Excellent game uh, by Dak Prescott. You know what? Huge win for the Cowboys. They needed that. But Atlanta lost that game more so than the Cowboys actually won that game. But I'm not going to take any credit from anybody. Were they like waiting? Like, did they not think it was going to go 10 yards? Did they think like no one could touch the ball for 10 yards? What are they doing? All they had to do was fall on it. That's all you have to do. And like, I think going back to that, you know, and then they're, they're, they probably watch the footage and they're probably circling off one, two, three players. Like next time call for the ball. You can literally call for the football because no matter what the other team cannot grab it, they cannot touch it. Say my ball or just like, I know it's a bang, bang play as a Packers fan. I've seen it happen in the past with onside kicks, but at some point, one of these guys, don't just wait for the team to have a chance. Just pick, just die. all you got to do is dive on it. It didn't even look like they made an effort once it even passed <laughs> 10 yards. Nobody made an effort. All I saw was cowboy uniforms. I mean, there were Falcon jerseys and, you know, by the ball, but like 
it, I don't know if they were just in shock or they expected the next guy to grab it, but everybody failed their job there. So, <laughs> we'll we'll see what the Bears can do. The Bears are two and zero. I'm surprised they're two and zero. They've barely beaten both the Giants and the the Lions. Week one, Bears had to make a comeback. Week two, it was like almost the opposite. They had a big lead. They only scored like 17 points, but they were up like 17-3 or something. And they almost blew the game again. They did almost blow that game. That was a nail-biter, and I'm not even a Bears fan. Um, they, they, they ended up driving. It was just, you know, Mitch Trubisky... I know a lot of fans are like, well, I'm sure you're, you're, you know, like, well, we're two and oh, we'll take it. But like, do you feel like you're as a fan that the bears are actually two and oh, I don't, I'm surprised they are. And with the talent that they're going up against, you, you can't, you can't be barely winning games like that. I still feel like Mitch Trubisky isn't going to be the starter at the end of the year. We'll have to see. Maybe Nick Foles starts a game and he ends up being bad and Trubisky comes in and starts it off. This, like the Falcons, they should be one and one. I'm not going to look at them as an 0 and 2 team. This is going to be a real test this week, especially with uh, Atlanta having Matt Ryan. They have Julio Jones. They also have Calvin Ridley stepping up this year. Calvin Ridley's hot. This that man offense. is. The whole offense is good. And Todd Gurley has, I mean, Todd Gurley hasn't really put up massive rushing yards in the past couple of years, but he he steps in and does his job. He's doing his job. That's all they need from from uh from Todd Gurley. And then you know they 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 have uh their tight end. Who's their tight end? Do they have Hurst over there? Because they don't have Hooper anymore. So Hooper is with Cleveland now, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, he is because he's on my fantasy football team, and I'm very upset about it. But anyways. Um, you know, overall that Falcons team is 0-2. I feel as though they are have played better football, minus the defense, mm-hmm. than than the Bears. I feel like they're actually a one and one team and the Bears are kind of an 0-2 team. But we'll see what ends up happening. Uh the Bears I know should have probably sealed the deal early in the game. I believe Anthony Miller dropped a touchdown, which you don't see often from mm-hmm. him. He's a very good receiver, pretty good possession receiver. Uh Mitch made better throws in this game. I, I have to give it to Mitch. He did make better throws. There were still some bad throws. I feel like expect bad throws from Mitch. Like that's it at the end of the day. But if he can hit the the clutch throws, the important throws, um, then maybe he might, you know, remain a starter further into the season. But I, I, I'm with you. I feel at some point Nick Foles is going to end up taking over. It, sh- it should. And also Eddie Jackson got a – a turn or like a defensive pass interference on a pick six. He did. He did. I saw that, you know, that was, that was a tough call. Uh, he did hit the receiver. I know everybody said it was incidental. It was, he didn't mean to hit the receiver, mm-hmm. but the, the point is the receiver had position <laughs> where he was at and the ball was, I mean, he was in line of the football, Eddie Jackson, you either, bat mm-hmm. the ball down or you jump in front of the defender and pick it off. You can't just incidentally run into the receiver. So well, to a lot I I did see a video going over that play and both the cornerback, the defensive back 
and the wide receiver both have the same um amount they, they both have like the same um like right to the football yes and with incidental contact like that if they're both playing the ball it doesn't matter okay yeah i just felt like when i watched the replay it was almost like it knocked him completely off course and i know it was incidental so i guess it could have won either way but it's eddie jackson expect way more hands down the most underrated safety in the game and i'm saying that as a packers fan i wish he was on the green bay Mm-hmm. love the days when amos and him were roaming in the back <laughs> dude they were a scary duo and i mean even eddie jackson by himself you know i i expect because didn't he i'm pretty sure he like he had like three defensive touchdowns last year i'm mm-hmm. almost positive so he's a playmaker sticking with the bears as well their first extension Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen. And it's not Allen Robinson. How do you feel about that? I like the signing. I like the extension. Three years, it was $17 million, I think. Yeah. $9, right million, $9 million guaranteed. That's awesome. It's huge. Especially for Tariq Cohen, who's like, he can make plays for you. He's a great receiving back maybe run the ball for you sometimes but for less than six million a year added on to his contract for three more years i'll take it yeah because there's teams that would thrive literally he would thrive with like he did two seasons ago when he had i think somewhere up towards like 80 catches they utilized him so much with mitch trubisky there uh and then last year was just completely different he had actually not a bad year last year receiving. You mm-hmm. can't expect a, a running back, a backup running back, to go out and have 85 catches every year. Um, but I, I do believe that if they want to be successful, they're going to have to utilize him out of the slot. They're going to have to utilize him on uh, these wheel routes more often. Mm-hmm. He's very fast, hard to keep up with, and he's about half the size of the lineman. Defenders lose him. They literally lose him because of his size. Yeah. And he can take a hit. So. He he had 79 receptions last year for 456 yards. He had 71 in 2018 with 700 yards receiving. Yeah, let's, that let's get back is, to that. Yeah, that yard. I'd rather take the yardage versus the uh, the catches. That's a 300 yard difference. That tells me he caught a lot of little screens, wheel routes for two, three yards at that. Probably got stopped quite a bit in the backfield. I mean, we watched mm. last season. It was rough. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I have him on my, on my fantasy team. Uh, he's always a good sleeper in, in daily fantasy because of how cheap he is. And he has a high, I feel like he has a high ceiling because besides Allen Robinson, they don't have any other stars on the offense. David Montgomery had a good game last week, which was awesome to see because last year, his rookie season, he had a lot of praise. We didn't really see much him doing it against the giants. Granted, not the best defense, but him getting going is something we really didn't see much of last year. Um, so shout out to him. But yeah, I mean, as far as Tariq Cohen, they're going to have to get him going. And I think they could. I think for them to uh, to establish uh, a consistent offense, they, they got to get him going and really keep teams on their on their toes. It's going to open up the run game. Mm-hmm. On the year, he only has three catches for 21 yards. He also has... Mm-hmm. 12 rushing rushes for 53 so definitely needs to get a little more involved 
I think I do like how they are using Montgomery a little more this year. Also, mm-hmm. taking a look at his football reference page, his nickname, one, the human joystick, which makes sense. The other <laughs> one, chicken salad. Don't know what that is, but <laughs> just had to point that out there for everyone to know. I, I, one of his nicknames, <laughs> chicken salad. I can only imagine. I'm like trying to think of something off the top of my head, and I can't think of anything right now. I don't know. Chicken salad is really good, by the way. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's that's that for, I mean, the Bears, we'll see what ends up happening. This is, like you said, this is a huge game for them. If they can somehow beat Atlanta, like like you said, Atlanta's 0-2 does not mean they're an 0-2 team. Personally think they are a 1-1 team. Could potentially be a 2-0 and team. You know, obviously they lost week one. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening. Seattle against Dallas this week. That's going to be fun to watch. What's the over-under on that game? I'm really curious because that, to me, is going to be the highest scoring game, especially with Russ, who is making a case this year for his MVP. He's had enough. He put up 35 points, five passing touchdowns against the New England uh, New England Patriots. Granted, the Patriots have a lot of guys sitting out, some injuries. But for Russ to have five touchdowns in a game is huge. That was all their touchdowns. He passes to everybody. He distributes. Uh, I personally think that this is going to be the highest scoring game. And I would, I personally think it's going to be the, if the over under is 54 and a half, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to go over. Right now, over under, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get that. Ooh, I was close. It's 56 and a half. Yeah, bet MGM has a 55 and a half. They do? Okay, okay. So that right there you're saying is 25 to 30 or 26 to 30. Obviously, that's a weird score. Mm -hmm. To me, I'm going to say Seattle 37 to 31 victory over Dallas. And one of the problems this year, uh, Seattle, or one of the – not positives that playing in Seattle has is there's no fans. So Seattle, normally a great home team. Uh, their fans help out a lot with the decibels. They can only get the fan noise up to 70 decibels, which is still a decent bit, but not as much as it normally gets up to. Yeah, you, you could definitely see Dallas playing very well in there. Their offenses looked good. Yeah, C.D. Lamb has looked incredible. He had an awesome game last week. I think he topped over 100 yards for the first time in his career. Michael Gallup has yet to do anything, but he's made some very key catches, which when you're running a three-man set, like a three-headed monster of a receiving core, somebody's got to take the back seat every game. Not every guy's going to go for 100 yards. Michael Gallup has taken the back seat but caught, the, like I said, the very key passes. I would expect him, maybe if not this game, but down the road to have a few hundred yard games to kind of make up for uh, the the butthurt uh, fantasy football fans out there. Sunday night, your team, the Green Bay Packers, they're looking awesome. They're going up against the Saints in New Orleans. Another what could be great game, and it could be even better because there are no fans there. So we could see a lot of scoring from Green Bay yet again. Uh, Drew Brees, he's going to have to step up. 
He's been uh, a little iffy this year to start off. His age is definitely showing. Yeah, I was just going to say, he's definitely, uh, his age is starting to catch up to him. It's going to be a good game. Uh, I feel like Saints are always a tough matchup. Well, again, for anybody. The Raiders, to do what they did, they kind of exposed the Saints a little bit more, uh, being that I don't, I'm not sold on the Raiders as far as being a good team yet. Uh, Josh Jacobs ran the ball okay. Uh, they passed the ball pretty well on them. Breeze had a, I think he had a one interception that was horrible. He forced it. It went right to the linebacker uh, or somebody in the backfield at that uh, moment. And it was just, Breeze just hasn't been himself. They are without Michael Thomas. I believe he's supposed to miss this week. We will find that out. If he were to play, he actually has to get cleared by the Packers doctor, who is a go-to doctor who clears a lot of guys with serious injuries Mm -hmm. uh fun fact i just found that out the other day um so i'm sure if he's good to go he will get cleared but without michael thomas it's going to be very tough for the saints team to get anything going elvin kamara has been putting up excellent numbers as we expected especially after getting this contract regardless of the contract he he's a he's a playmaker out there and without michael thomas he has to step it up and just do above and go above and beyond what he's like he's been doing. I mean, the only reason why they had a chance in the last game, they relied on Kamara and I mean, his, his numbers show for it. So that's Sunday night and Monday night chiefs Ravens. We're, we're having some awesome primetime games right now. Monday night. This is the first Monday night game. That's probably like must watch Raven or Saints Raiders, it would kind of was because they're both one and oh, but I didn't really, I wasn't really interested because of the Raiders this week, though. Two and oh, they're both two and oh. You got Mahomes, you got the Chiefs going up against Lamar, the Ravens, they're both looking awesome. <sighs> Super excited, definitely gonna I'm be hoping, watching. I'm hoping for a shootout. I know the Ravens defense is pretty damn good. I'm still hoping for a shootout. The Ravens are the favorite, three and a half points. And I I agree with it. I think the Ravens, as of right now, are the better team. But bet against Pat Mahomes at your own risk. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. It's probably because Baltimore is home. Baltimore is home. They they definitely have the home home field advantage. Uh, the Chiefs are still dangerous. The Chiefs are very dangerous. You know, like I said, the Baltimore has a very good defense, but with the Chiefs, they kind of expose these good defenses, and and if anything, will force a shootout. Um, if for, if somehow Mahomes and the Chiefs blow the Ravens out, I guess you could just crown them now, because I, Ravens are the only other team in the AFC or in the NFL that I even see them being able to compete quarter for quarter with the sole fact that they have Lamar Jackson who can make anything happen and then with a solid defense. But again, Pat Mahomes, uh, uh, Clyde Hilaire, uh, hyphenated last name. Edwards. Edwards. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm excited between those two games. That's if I could just watch those two games, I'll be happy. (laughs) Have you already made a fan duel lineup for this week? So normally I have one ready to go, but I didn't only because of all the injuries. I'm waiting 
So I will post on Instagram, on Twitter. I, I've been waiting an hour before game time only because I'm trying to win a million dollars, just like 500,000 other people. It's, it's, you don't want your lineup set until you get those game time decisions. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey's out. Saquon's out. If you want cheap buys, go with a Devontae Freeman. Go with a, a Deion Lewis. Go with a Mike Davis with Carolina. You can do that, but it's still risky. I don't think anybody should have a lineup in yet unless it's to reserve a spot. Be on the lookout early Sunday, maybe late Saturday night. You'll see a lineup on Instagram and Twitter. Too many All injuries right. to have a lineup right now. Do you have anyone that's like a must start right now? A matchup uh, that you're just like, this is a must start no matter what. I'm forcing him in my lineup. Uh, Yeah. So as I was saying, there is a reservation that I have. So on the expensive side, there's a few guys. If you want a solid play, someone that's going to open up a more expensive in other positions, go with uh, uh, Johnu Smith, Jonu Smith with Tennessee tight end. He's only 5,600. He is going to get a lot of looks, especially against one of the worst defenses in the first two games of the season, Minnesota Vikings. Um, again, he's questionable because of his ankle. Do do we think he's going to play? Do the do do they think he's going to play? Yes, they do. They do think he's going to play, uh, even though he missed practice. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, I personally believe that you could get away with uh, Kenyon Drake with Arizona, who's been very quiet. He's not expensive, and guess what? He's going up against Detroit, who just gave up over 200 yards on the ground to Green Bay. That is, for me, the simplest pick. You get a mid-priced option out of Kenyon Drake. If Smith ends up playing for Titans, you have another lower to mid option for price. Two guys who I expect to have anywhere from 12 to 25 points from Kenyon Drake if he is if he ends up booming. That leaves uh, an opening for an expensive quarterback. I'm still trying to determine if I'm going to go Russell uh, Wilson against Dallas, who I think should put up big numbers. Or maybe Lamar against the Chiefs or Pat Mahomes. We'll see. Tune into our social media on Sunday. I would say 10 a.m. Central Time. You will get my for sure lineup. But those are my two tips right there for you. Okay. Hopefully we get a big week three in the NFL. Uh, We'll be back with football talk next week. We got some basketball to talk about. We conference, do. Conference finals have uh, their three games underway. Eastern Conference is getting their fourth quarter underway. Only a one-point game at the point of recording this. So can't really give too much insight on this. But both series are pretty good so far. The Lakers, they lost yesterday to the, the Nuggets. And the series is now 2-1, to one, which... Game three is huge, especially in a 2-0 series. You don't want to go down 3-0. So good on the Nuggets for bringing it back to a 2-1 series. If if the Nuggets lose tomorrow, take your savings and bet on Denver. They don't lose series when they're down 1-3. It's simple. 
<laughs> I thought you were going to say on one game to make it like go to a game uh, six or something. No, whole series. Not... <laughs> I'm not. I'm not responsible if anybody loses all their money. By the way. Okay. <laughs> but no, it's like you said. The conference finals have been entertaining. The Lakers lost yesterday. It was a huge win for Denver simply because they are only down a game. They can go off at any given moment, but do not expect the Lakers big men, including Anthony Davis, to only combine for like five or four rebounds. They won by eight points, Denver did, with a horrible, horrible rebounding game by the Lakers. Offensive rebounding was almost not even there. Defensive rebounding clearly was not there. So I do not expect Anthony Davis to not grab four boards, five, six, seven boards alone. And then Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, but that's just Denver. They have talented big men. They have Nikola Jokic, who that dude amazes me. That dude amazes me. For somebody his size, his playmaking ability, you don't get a lot from a center. You know, he reminds me of Noah, but two times better than Noah. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, this this Eastern Conference Finals is entertaining as well. Celtics, Heat, Celtics, uh, fourth quarter just started. Heat did go up four. It's 80-76. to 76. If the Heat win this, I would expect them to take the series. I feel like overall, offensively, are up to par with the Celtics, but defensively, they just have, they offer way more. And honestly, I think... And for the finals, I would rather see Miami have their gritty defense go up against a Lakers or a Denver uh, to at least make, you know, four, six, seven games. Yeah. Looking at last night's box score, LeBron led the team with 10 rebounds. He had a triple-double last night. The mm-hmm. next next person had four rebounds. It was Danny Green. Then you had Caldwell, Caldwell Pope with three. Anthony Davis with two, Rondo with two, Dwight Howard one, McGee one, Kuzma one, Marquise Morris zero. I don't know how often this happens, but this is the craziest stat to me. Normally, a team goes from anywhere to 40, even as low as 35, 36, 37 rebounds, all the way up to 50 to 60. The Lakers had 25 rebounds and 27 assists. That is not something you see every day. A team that gets more assists than rebounds, you'll never win unless your team literally had 50 assists in the game. Uh, And the fact that, I mean, they shot the ball well. They shot 51%, almost 52%, which is similar to Denver. Uh, Denver shot the three ball better, and they went to the free throw line. They made 23 of 29 versus the Lakers. 14 of 22 free throws make a difference in playoff games. I mean, we see it all the time between, you know, a team that goes and shoots 30 times, but only can hit 20 or 21 versus a team that can efficiently hit 18 of 18 or 19 of 19. Obviously there's teams, nobody really hits every free throw, but those free throws and those rebounds are going to be the tell all. With, with that being pointed out about the rebounds, like you said, if, if they rebound a little bit better next game, the Lakers should be, win by at least 10. Oh, at yeah. At least. Yeah, 25 rebounds. You're not going to win. I, I, I could go on the court. I'm pretty confident I can average two rebounds a game if I played 15 minutes a game. <laughs> That's saying a lot. I'm, I'm barely above average height. 
saying that. So, um, but yeah, so, and then, I mean, as far as like that, I still feel like the Lakers should end up taking that, uh, that series. I don't, I don't see really anybody, the series and the finals overall, because once they get past Denver on the, in the East, I mean, Bam out of bio is good, but I don't know if he's anything compared to Jokic or anybody else that Denver has who can actually offer up, def, you know, a defense against Anthony Davis or LeBron in the paint, you know? Um, but nonetheless, it's going to be a fun series. I'm, I'm, I'm really pulling for, uh, I'm not going to be biased. I'm not pulling for anybody here. <laughs> I'm just pulling for a good series. <laughs> the next time we have our podcast, we should be uh, NBA finals, NBA finals, MLB playoffs, Week three of the NFL. Yeah, going to be a lot to talk about. Uh, sticking with basketball, and it's a good topic for us. Oh, the Chicago yeah. Bulls signed Billy Donovan. You had some that, thoughts that you wanted to talk about before the podcast. It's finally your time to release oh, them. Here we go. I just want to thank the Bulls organization for not making me wait as long as they could have wait to make the right moves in the front office. So they signed Billy Donovan, which is pretty much the last step of cleaning house. Excellent head coach led Oklahoma city thunder to the playoffs, a team that had a 2.7% chance of making the playoffs, according to Vegas before the season started. He works well with young talent. His resume is up to par with the best of them. In college, he coached his first two years at Marshall. Nothing incredible, 18-9, 17-11, From 96 to 2015, he coached Florida in the SEC. He won back-to-back titles in the 0506 season and the 0607 season seasons that a lot of us remember cuz they had young talent like Joakim Noah, Al Horford, guys who went to the NBA and had pretty successful careers. He's coached Bradley Beal, who is an excellent player. Guys look up to him. He comes to the NBA, doesn't really go far. He doesn't go to the finals, but he contends with the best of them. For instance, this past year, he contended with Houston, a team that he had uh, Russell Westbrook on before, who he couldn't do anything with. He takes this young core surrounded by a veteran in Chris Paul, and he leads them to a, I would consider, a very successful run. You don't have to win to have a successful run, and I would consider Billy Donovan a an extremely successful coach especially with young talent, which is what the Bulls have. The Bulls have extremely young talent. Zach Levine, I would consider, even though he's been in the league for quite a few years, is still young. Uh, Get rid of Otto Porter. I don't want to talk about him. And then everybody else is young, and I think that they will excel. And I saw Zach Levine on Twitter already post. He posted the fist bump. He's excited. He's ready to go. He's been balling out with a franchise that has been – Failing the nobody liked uh, Boylan. He's still balling out. Imagine what he's going to do. Imagine what the rest of the team is going to do when they're motivated to step up and play well for a winning coach. 
I'm excited as a fan. I'm about as excited as it gets. So I don't know, Healy, how do you feel? I mean, you texted me as soon as it happened. I'm getting blown up on I'm getting Twitter notifications. What what was going through your head? We knew Billy Donovan was on the list and he was mm-hmm. one of our favorites. I mean, we got him. We got one of the best coaching candidates that anybody can sign right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he was necessarily the best option. I'm, I'm sure there's some other guys that they could have went, maybe like an assistant coach somewhere as well. But mm-hmm. I am glad that they brought in a coach that's actually been a head coach before. The last time yeah. the Bulls have signed a head coach with experience was Scott Skiles. After that, we had Thibodeau. Uh, we had Boylan. Um, who was just the in-between guy? We had Vinny Del Negro. There was uh, – so obviously we had Boylan most, most recently. Who's, we had the college been... coach. Um, oh, he was there for like two years. I'm drawing a blank Hoiberg, right now. Hoiberg. 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 Oh, Fred Hoiberg, yes, yes, yes. Fred Hoiberg. So like they've, they've signed guys that have had no college experience or no NBA head coach experience. Yep. They've signed assistant coaches before. I really like how they have signed a head coach with experience. This front office, that's the safe pick. Kind of like with the Cubs. Well, the Cubs are more of a veteran team. I would have liked them to sign a veteran coach because of that. But you have a younger team. They're going to be heavily influenced by a coach. You have a guy with experience. It's the safe pick. Head coaches and NBA, you can always fire them. We see quick turnaround all the time. But for these development years, this is great. I'm really happy Billy Billy Donovan's there. Yeah, and like you said, there are other great coaching candidates uh, like Wes Unseld and um, Kenny Atkinson, great coaches. Which one is better than the other? I guess flip a coin. But yeah, I guess I was more so thinking of the young talent and the fact that we have a good head coach, a head coach with experience, proven experience. That is, we may finally start to see a wave of free agents or, you know, you know, wanting to make Chicago as a top destination. Mm-hmm. And that's something, especially with not so much this year, but the following season and the season after that, we have a lot of unrestricted free agents coming along. So uh, I feel like personally with the development of a young core, we are about one good piece away from being a playoff team in the East, especially, mm-hmm. and maybe two to three years from being a true contender. So, and they, they're, they're putting the pieces together and it always starts from up top with the front office down to the coaching staff out to the players. Morale. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's huge players. There are players who just don't like their coaches or don't like the franchise, but guess what? They're collecting a check at the end of the day, right? Worst yeah. case scenario. So I'm, I'm excited. This is the most excited I've been for the bulls since, uh, since Derek Rose. <laughs> and as soon as Billy Donovan got signed, who tweeted about out about something, it was Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal. I get that Bradley Beal still has a few years left on his deal. I understand that he went to Florida. Billy Donovan coached at Florida. But you don't see guys when their coaches, especially their former coaches, like 
change positions and like change teams and you see them publicly like good job man like you're awesome like congrats and get super excited that one of your guys is going somewhere if you like a guy that much you should probably look to get him yeah especially a guy who just joined the east in which you're gonna have to play him (laughs) he's gonna be he's gonna make it tough for you to win and bradley beal he just dropped 30 points a game didn't make an all nba team but he dropped 30 points a game he was awesome last year on that bad wizards team he would fit in at uh shooting guard that would, I, I don't want Levine to move down to the three, but if if they could get him for a reasonable package, I don't want a Paul George-type package where they send no. off six first-round picks, but if you could maybe get rid of this year's first and maybe a, like, a couple cap room moves like Porter and like maybe a role player, then sure, go ahead. Take that deal. I agree. I completely agree. And as long as, so defensive liability is going to be huge. It's, it's a huge liability when you go that route, develop Carter jr. If you're not going to keep him regardless, you got to get marking in needs to be a defensive presence. I mean, he's got to understand his role and Daniel Gafford, those three Carter marking in Gafford focus on being a, a paint presence just in case these guys are getting blown by you can step up for the help defense. Again, it does create holes all over when you don't have a solid defense, but we I think I think they can make it work at least for now until they really truly bring in a free agent that's that missing piece. Or if they bring in Bradley Beal, I still don't know that they, 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 they still have a lot of guards. Kobe White, uh, Levine, Bradley Beal, uh, maybe Chris Dunn off the bench. We'll see. Sadoransky's gotta go. Mm-hmm. Sadoransky's gotta go. Felicio's got to go. His $9 million contract. Otto Porter has got to go. We'll bite the bullet this year. If I'm him, there's no way I'm not tendering my my final year of contract for $26, 27000000 million. A crazy man would not do that. Um, so we're going to bite the bullet with him. And the following year, I think for, for Bulls fans, if we make the playoffs as an eighth seed, that is – an that's accomplishment. A win. That's, a, that's win. a win. Because what that's going to do is, well, we started to develop a winning culture. We finally made the playoffs. We're going to get these guys seasoned in the playoffs in a seven-game series. And guess what? Contracts are off the damn table. We're going to see free agents. We're going to see Giannis. Giannis is probably going to stay with Milwaukee this year. Uh, Anthony Davis, we don't know where he's going to go. He's from Chicago. I don't want to stir up any drama or any rumors, but – you just never know where guys can land when you bring in the right pieces in the front office. So I'm excited. Super hyped. Like, can this season just end already? I want to get to the off season. I don't, I don't even exactly. You know what the best part is? The off season is here. They're going to start uh, the draft combine relatively soon. The draft's going to be in November. Right after that, there might be a very small quote unquote summer league and it's going to go right into the season. So they may not even do the bubble next year. They might just, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with COVID, with medicine and treatment. Mm-hmm. They might end up allowing fans in every stadium, maybe at a 20% capacity. We're seeing it with the NFL. So we might be, uh, I guess I'm not too worried about that. I'm more worried about the success of the Bulls, and that's that's right around the corner. So 
Super excited. Super excited. I cannot wait for next season as well, because the podcast, we're going to be talking about the Bulls a lot. Oh, yeah. It's a long season. It's only 82 games, which is half of baseball, but they don't play every day. They play about three times a week, so we get a whole season out of it. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm just overall, I'm just super excited. There's a lot, lot of good for Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point to end it on though. If you guys did enjoy the podcast again, make sure you hit that download button. Best way to show support, follow our podcast socials, Twitter and Instagram, SR only pod. Uh, you can follow our personal, uh, profiles, Mine is the Healy Six on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Goose I Goose with four O's. Next week gonna be very fun to talk about. Hope you guys are ready for that. Appreciate you guys for listening. We did hit two thousand total downloads on the podcast. So want to shout out to you guys and hope you have a fantastic weekend. See you next week. <laughs>